Paul says that we are not ignorant of Satan's schemes. What if, what if his schemes really are not supposed to be our focus? What if our focus is on living in this victory that Jesus already won? What if our focus is on doing God's will? And what if we already knew the things that would help us stay in this gospel till it roots in us and we can bear good fruit in this life and really live well? Wouldn't, wouldn't knowing God's will pretty much know, okay, that's what, that's what the evil one's going to counterfeit and attack and, and try to get us away from? Yeah. Okay. So let me just give you four very quick things that I know for a fact are God's will for you, period. And that because I know they're God's will for you, I know that's where the resistance is going to have to be one, where you're going to have to win the spiritual fight. Four things real quick. Let's go. Number one, the word of God. What if there was a book in which God made himself knowable? We wouldn't have to speculate. We wouldn't make it up. It wouldn't just be our best ideas, but it would actually be God making himself known. Well, we have such a book. It's called the Bible. It's not just, oh, that's an inspiring book. It's inspired. And when we say that it's inspired, what we mean is that God actually speaks through it. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active. It's alive and it's doing something to us. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it pierces even to the division between soul and spirit. Oh, it's, it's, it's dissecting what, what, where are these desires coming from, where are these motives coming from. It's judging between the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So you don't even know yourself apart from God's word. It's through letting this book read you. It's not just reading this book. It's letting this book read you that you come to know and see what's really going on inside of you. Getting a relationship with this book is so stinking important that in Deuteronomy 8, God says, I humbled you 40 years and I fed you with manna so that you would learn that man doesn't live by bread alone. There's more to a human than just the body. All you need to to physically survive is bread. But for you to spiritually thrive, you need my word, my voice. Man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Psalm 1 is basically saying, I promise you, I promise you that if you make meditating on this book your daily bread, it'll undo your stupidity. It'll replace your, your foolishness with wisdom. If you'll humble yourself and, and receive this word and let it change you, God's nature will be formed in you, says Peter, through the implanted word. Again, it's not just inspiring, it's inspired. And it's unique in that respect, right? Like the man was looking at the Mona Lisa and he stood back and said, I don't like it. And the guard who's not even supposed to talk leaned forward and said, Sir, these paintings, they're no longer being judged. The viewers are. Okay, so here's what I'm saying. When you set yourself to read the word, to know God, you're going to have to face resistance. You're going to face the resistance of your flesh saying, it's boring. I don't understand it. It's an ancient book. It's a foreign book. The evil one's going to afford lots of reasons to, to, to say, nah, 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 nah. That's stupid. You don't like it. What it says contradicts you. Nah, nah. The world, the world's going to say, oh, it's racist. Oh, it's sexist. Oh, it's about genocide. It's about this. It's full of errors. It's full of all this stuff. If you're brand new in this thing, just know this. It's about Jesus. The whole book, Genesis to Revelation, is about the victory of God over Satan, sin, and death in Jesus so that God can make a people with whom he can abide. That's what it's about. Jesus is the hero of the story. We are the ones rescued, and we win. So how about you start with Jesus and you stick with Jesus until you really have a grasp on the gospel so that you see the gospel on every page like God always intended. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians. Stick with Jesus until you understand the gospel and and who you are in Christ 
Then read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Psalms, all the prophets through this lens. But if you've never read the Bible before, I'm going to admit to you, it can be a complicated book. But let me tell you, the sacrifice and the struggle of learning how to understand and read the book is well worth your time. And God wants you to have a relationship with this book. Number two, the people of God. The moment you get saved, you become united to every saint in heaven and on earth, regardless of denomination, generation, race, economic class, you become a part of the church of Jesus, the bride of Christ. Jesus laid his life down because he loves his bride so much. And he has called you to lay your life down to see the body of Christ built up. And every believer has spiritual gifts that Corinthians says are given for the common good to build the body up. I don't know how you're going to fulfill your calling when you are disconnected from the body of Christ. And it's the strategy of the evil one to isolate you and get you separated out and then puff you up with pride so that your unhealed wounds and your deception and your private opinions rule you instead of the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And you go, yeah, but the church is full of hypocrites. Okay, but one more is not going to kill us. We can handle you here. Nobody's hurt me like the church, but nobody's ever put me together like the church. I was made to take a sabbatical years ago, and in that sabbatical, my wounds about the church, my hurts, the things that I had not let the Lord minister to, they came to the surface once I stopped attending during that sabbatical. Isn't it interesting how, when you separate from people, now the evil one and your own hurts are all that's left to tell you who those other people are? And when it was over, I just didn't, I didn't want to preach again. I, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to attend any church ever again anywhere. So I stood there at the front door holding Layla like she was my security blanket and somebody walked past me and said, are you going in? And I said, I don't know. Terrified. And as I walked in those doors, I was just my hands were cold. I was freezing with fear to go back into the body of Christ because I knew they were going to hurt me, chew me up, judge me. I was going to fail them. I was going to, all their expectations. And I walk in and people are warm and smiling. Hey, Tim. And I'm like, well, that's not what I was expecting. People were just super nice, happy. They were happy to see me. They were not the big bad boogeyman that had grown in my mind as I went away and soaked on my wounds and the evil one lied to me about who they were, they were not who I thought they were. As we went into the singing time, I went into a vision. And in this vision, I was like in the water, in the ocean, at night, waves slamming over me. Like a, it's a terrifying vision. Helpless, adrift, in the cold water, and it's pitch black. And Jesus is walking on the waves and he's calling my name yelling my name over and over, Tam, Tam, just calling to me until he finally finds me. And he grabs me and pulls me up, holds me in his arm. And he says to him in the past, you've had space in your faith for my gospel, but now I'm enlarging your heart so that there's space in your faith for my people, for my people. Oh, I got stuffed. I got stuff to sort through. Please don't do what so many people do. They deconstruct their faith and they leave. They even leave Christianity. And it all sounds very intellectually honest. And they even think it's intellectually honest. 
I'm not saying this is everyone, but, but a, for, I think, a lot more people than we might know, people leave the faith, leave the church, maybe even leave Christianity completely, leave Jesus behind because they got hurt and they didn't let the Lord heal the wounds and re- remove the lies. Here's what the body is supposed to be. When you go off mission, we come get you. When you're down, we pull you up. When you're heavy laden, we help carry the burden. When you're alone, we sit with you. When you're obnoxious, we have mercy on you and we love you anyway. The body is supposed to be the place where you learn how to love people that naturally you wouldn't even like. You wouldn't vote like them. You wouldn't want to live near them. You wouldn't have anything in common, but because you have Jesus in common, you become family and you do life together. Third thing I know God wants for you, it's the presence of God. Don't you come alive in the presence of God? You were made for the presence of God. And the presence of God is another way of talking about the Spirit of God. It's also another way of talking about the experiential love of God. To be full of the Spirit is to be drenched and saturated with divine power and love. And the weird thing is, the closer you get to God's presence, the more full of the presence of God you become, the more thirsty and hungry you are for more of God's presence, the more bold you are in your expression to people of love, the more peaceful you become, the less anxious you become. God's presence is wonderfully transformative to our heart. Paul says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. He seals us with the Spirit. And now, Paul says a couple times to Timothy, to fan into flames the gift that's in him or to stir up the gift that is in him through the laying on of hands. And specifically with Timothy, the way that he's supposed to stir up the gift that's in him, how to fan into flame the Holy Spirit, is by operating in his calling. In other words, when you flow in the gifts you've been given, when you fulfill your calling, when you work, when you co-labor with Jesus, that thing you were meant to do, it fans the presence of God up into a flame within you. By the way, work, work is a blessing and a gift. There was work in the garden before sin ever entered the picture. What sin introduced was futility and sweat and thistles and thorns. But before sin entered the picture, there was work and it was enjoyable and it was fun. And there's something about the co-laboring in your calling that actually puts more grace on you and it sustains you and it fills you up with hope and joy. Athletes talk about getting in the zone. Musicians talk about getting into a state of flow. And when they're in that condition, it's like timeless life. So first thing, to stir up the gift, get into your calling. Second thing that I can guarantee you draws the presence of God like nothing else is worship. It's the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. If you don't know how to worship, if you don't know how to like give the Lord your body and your spirit and your prayer and your heart and your yes with all your passion, with all your zeal, with all your energy, if you don't know how to press your will to the point where you are singing, praying, surrendering, yes, rejoicing in the Lord with all your passion, all your fire, if you don't know how that works, if you don't raise your hands because you're scared of the people around you, bro, if you don't know how to sing, even though your voice sounds like terrible, with the top of your lungs because he's died for you and raised you and he's transformed you and you're a brand new person because of him, if you you're still watching the people around you worship, if you're standing still just sort of observing like it's a concert and you're like, oh, whatever, I don't know, then you, then you need to learn how to worship. It is a sacrifice. It is an offering. Something dies. Something that you came into the service ought to not leave with you because it died. It was offered on the altar. Usually it's your pride. Usually it's your pride. Usually it's your convenience. Usually it's your 
your public image. Usually it's your dignity. Sometimes it's your money. Sometimes it's your time. But I promise you that biblical worship is always a sacrifice. And you need to learn how to worship because when you genuinely worship with all your heart and sincerity, the Spirit shows up in that temple of your body and, and worships along with you. And you, man, you are much more full of the Holy Spirit, full of the presence of God. Final of the four points, your alone time with God. Your life, your life is the byproduct of your alone time with God. You're doing about as well as you're believing and you're believing about as well as your prayer life's going. Because your prayer life is where you daily take off the flesh and put on Christ. And if you're only doing as well as you're believing and you're only about believing as well as your prayer life is going and you're not disciplined, if you're undisciplined, then I guess you're only going to follow the Spirit when you feel like following the Spirit. I don't wake up in Christ like happy every morning. So what I, what I do is I say my prayers out loud and they are thank yous. And I, th I stay in the gospel and I thank God and I thank God and I thank God and I thank God for the eternal things first, for Jesus on the cross, for dying for me, for being my God. And I put myself, I put myself in the gospel by thanking God for the gospel stuff out loud every day because I need to keep my perspective in faith on him. I remember when Brian Connolly, his grandma was like, how can you pray for so many hours and you seem to actually enjoy prayer? It doesn't even seem like a burden or a duty. You just seem to enjoy it. And he goes, I don't have to ask the Lord about that. So he goes and asks the Lord, Lord, why can I pray the way that I pray? And the Lord said, Brian, that's because you settled a long time ago that I desire you. So, these four things are so critically important. If you do them, you're going to grow. You're going to bear incredible fruit. If you neglect them, your growth is going to start to freeze. And you might even go backwards. Let's get out of here. Love you guys. Bless you.